seated. <clears throat> there are various helps to assist us in reading the Bible. I grew up with various grades of Scripture Union notes and notably daily bread. Then there is the system called Every Day with Jesus. The navigators have their scripture memorization scheme and then there's Crossway, Bible Gateway and the Blue Letter Bible. The Bible Reading Fellowship plus other Bible reading helps that I don't know of. Reading the Bible is the very centre and heart of Christian private devotion and of traditional Anglican worship. If we analyse the form of communion service that we use here at St Matthew's, it quickly becomes apparent just how much of the Bible is in it. And if you want to see that and you look up this sermon on the resources page of the new website and you look at page three, you will see there a table of the communion service and all the bits of the Bible that are in it. There are the three readings that we have as well as direct quotes from the Bible, references to what the Bible says and some oblique head nods to the Bible. For us, the gospel about Jesus is very important. And in this season of Epiphany, we have been following through the various epiphanies that people had. They saw Jesus and they come to understand the nature of Jesus for them. Our Old Testament reading and our responsive psalm reading also refer us to what the Gospel reading has said. For example, today the Gospel reading is about Jesus reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue at Nazareth. Our Old Testament reading from Nehemiah was about Ezra, the famous priest, reading the scriptures in public to all the people. And our responsory psalm, 19, verses 7 to 14, is about the quality and the importance of the scriptures. They all carry much the same kind of theme. Now, this is an important consideration for understanding today's gospel reading when Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue at Nazareth. Jesus stood up to read. That was a Jewish custom at their services. Synagogues back then did not have a single leader who preached every week like a rabbi or a rector does today. Instead, one adult member of the congregation or an educated visitor would be invited to read the Torah portion and then that educated man would choose a reading from the prophets that fitted in with the reading from the Torah that he'd already read or chanted. And then he would give a brief meditation on how the passages related to each other. The second reading from one of the prophets was called the Haftarah, meaning the completion. And just like our Nehemiah reading today, it related, uh, it related to the Torah reading that had been read earlier. 
And so if you wanted to put our reading in Jewish terms, our Nehemiah reading was our Haftarah reading today. Now this is what we see Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4 when he stands up in his hometown synagogue and reads from the Isaiah scroll. From the scroll. Those scrolls were written on vellum and Jesus would have gone to the big reading desk called the Bimah, something like a very large table, nothing at all like our lecterns. And there he would have unrolled the scroll to the section of Isaiah 62. Now it may have taken some time, much longer than it takes us to flick over the pages of a book to find the passage that we want. So Jesus would have unrolled the left part of the scroll and then the right part of the scroll to catch up the bit that was in the middle until he got to the part that he wanted. Now we said last week that maybe Jesus had started his public ministry of teaching and healing. In the synagogue, Jesus was recognised as an educated visitor and was offered the chance to read the Torah and the Haftarah. Jesus read from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Just a brief passage. But it was a stark contrast to the blood and fire and thunder that John the Baptist had preached. Isaiah's words were preaching the good news to the poor. Isaiah's words were about releasing the captive, giving sight to the blind, setting at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus read Isaiah's good news that was so different to John the Baptist's thunderous denunciations. The good news of God, the good news of the gospel, all contained in the scriptures. Do you know what our Anglican Church says about the Bible? Can you quote me Article 6 of the 39 Articles? Of course, I can't. I looked it up and this is what it says. Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation so that what is not read in them, what cannot be proved by them, is not to be required of anyone to be believed as an article of the faith. For the Anglican Church, the Bible is the touchstone of faith. Nothing else, just the Bible. If you're an Anglican, the Bible is the basis on which everything is built. Whenever people are ordained as priests or consecrated as bishops in our Anglican Church, they are asked a whole series of questions before that event takes place. And here is one of the questions that they have to answer. Are you convinced that the Holy Scriptures contain all doctrine necessary for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? And are you determined to instruct from these Scriptures the people committed to your care, teaching nothing as essential to salvation which cannot be demonstrated from the Scriptures? And the answer that must be given aloud and must be given publicly is, I am convinced 
and I will do so by God's grace. If you are an ordained Anglican minister, you declare publicly that the Bible is the basis on which your Christian ministry is based. On Tuesday week, February the 1st, at his commissioning, Tim Harris is going to receive six symbols of ministry from six members of our congregation. The first symbol that we will be brought up and given to him is the Bible. As it is presented, the Archdeacon will say this to Tim, take this Bible, always be faithful in reading, studying and meditating upon the word of God, diligent in proclaiming it and encouraging the study of it. And Tim will give this response. I give thanks to God for this privilege and accept this ministry. If you're the rector of St Matthew's Kensington, you declare publicly that the Bible is the basis on which your parish ministry is built. But the congregation also has a response at the commissioning. The congregation responds, we promise. We promise to hear read and study the word of God. If you're a member of the congregation of St Matthew's Kensington, you declare publicly that the Bible is the basis upon which your congregational membership is built. So if you're an ordained, if you're, if you're an Anglican, if you're an ordained Anglican person, if you're an ordained Anglican person with a parish ministry, or an Anglican congregation member, you declare publicly that the Bible is the foundation of your Christian life and on that foundation is built our worship, our fellowship, our service, our witness, our outreach, our mission, our private devotion, our daily living, everything. Even the brass lectern over there is an important symbol for any congregation's life. On it is the Bible, open, to be read, to be understood, to be meditated upon and to be practised. The lectern is in the shape of an eagle, for in medieval England, the eagle was thought to be the bird that flew higher, longer, stronger further than any other bird. They hadn't yet got an albatross. Can you imagine the size of a lectern in the shape of an albatross? <laughs> and so it is believed that on the back of the eagle, the Bible goes higher, further, longer, stronger than any other message. The eagle stands on an orb on the world. And the Bible, therefore, is the message of God for the entire world. Jesus in the synagogue at Nazareth, the members of the congregation at each and every Anglican church, the congregation at St Matthew's Kensington are people of the book, people of the message of the book, people who practice the book, and people who demonstrate the love and the grace of the God 
who is revealed in the book.